You're listening to Chris Scott on FM 105, Down Community Radio. On 105 FM and around the world online. This is FM 105. It's that time of the week again. Yeah, welcome along to the Chris Scott Show with me, Chris Scott, three with you for the next hour. Thank you for joining me and great to have you along. Do stay tuned and thank you for lending me those ears. Well, we've had some big interviews recently in the show. If you've been tuned in, uh, Marcia Barrett from Boney M towards the end of last year. Uh, Graham Fenton, remember him, Mr. Rockabilly from Matchbox. Andy Karakchi from Modern Romance. And tonight, it's the turn of Chris Amu from The Real Thing. And those are the guys that started off tonight's programme, just in case you don't know who they are, with that classic hit, and you, to me, are everything. Chris is joining me later to tell us all about the history of The Real Thing and their newly released album. Uh, They were described, of course, many years ago as the most successful black rock and soul act in England. And that was in the 1970s. We're going to join Chris after this. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. And starting off tonight's programme, you to me are everything. Yeah, number one in 1976. And that's 56 years ago. That's scary stuff. It's not 56. <laughs> On the other end of the line, you'll, you'll hear him gasping and gasping there 56 years ago. It's Chris Amu. Chris, hopefully I pronounce your surname right. You certainly have, yes. And Chris, Chris you, you, yeah, listen. Brilliant to have you on tonight's show. Uh, and Chris, for anyone who may not know, you are uh, on, the, on the original lineup of The Real Thing. Um, yes, I'm the original. Yes, the original. I was the one, along with Dave, who formed the band. And um, unfortunately, we've ended up with the same two who formed the band, uh, who are left in the band now. Am I, am I right in saying you have a big birthday this year, ending in a zero, but I'm not going to mention your yes, age? Yes, that's right, yes. yes wow. Yes, 70 this year. That's incredible, and you know, I, I we're, we're here to talk tonight about you know the the, the new album that's coming out, and, and I got to listen to some of the tracks on that. Your voice yeah. is absolutely amazing, and I know you mentioned your age there. How do you how do you do that? Would you know something? I think that the problems with singers come when they stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, and I think that it's the same as if you are training for muscular strength. If you stop training, you get weaker. Yeah. And it's very, very difficult to get that strength back. Um, and I think it's the same with voices because we've never, ever sort of been the type of band that say, okay, we're going to work for this month and then we're going to have six months off and then we're going to work a month. You know, yeah. we've always been full on <clears throat> with our live work. And when we're not doing live work, I'm working in my studio. So I'm singing all the time. Yeah. So... Hopefully, um, your voice should get um, develop more tone with time and get you know keep it straight. Yeah, you know, Chris, you're now described as the best British soul singer of all time. You, you, you know, you, you, you've been up there for so long. But I was reading back through an old newspaper, believe it or not, from February in 1973. One of your yeah. weekly news is in Runcorn. 
And, and uh, Run Corn Weekly News, I think I don't really remember that, but there was an article there, that, and it, it, it just went, you know, if someone mentioned Chris Amu, Ray Lake, Dave Smith and Kenny Davis, the chances are that nobody would think twice. They were, you know, uh, it says, but they were very soon uh, will be because those four lads will make up Liverpool's real thing, a group which is rapidly making a nationwide name for themselves. Those days you were in your 20s and went on to describe, you know, that, uh, that you're black and you're British and only yeah. parental memories of the West Indies and Africa, etc., etc. And uh, it went on through this about this blend, remarkable and refreshing blend. And then it talks about this early history about Huey Green Opportunity Knocks and how that yeah, sort of yeah. escalated into Europe. And the article finished off and says, yeah, we think they're going to make it. Do you know what, Chris? They were right, weren't they? They were. I can't actually remember that um that piece, but uh, yeah, yeah, they got it right, didn't they? Yeah, they did, absolutely. You know, tell me your early days. I mean, am I right in saying, you know, we're we're obviously on the other side of the pond here, just a boat trip away, but do you actually have an Irish background? I do, yes. My grandmother's Irish. She's from uh, County County Louth in Ireland. Yeah. And, um, yes, and I'm proud of that, you know. I just wish that she was alive now to see the success that we've achieved because sadly she passed away before we had our first hit record. Um, But she was very influential in in me when, you know, in the family when we were growing up. And uh, we were born in Toxteth, as you know. Yeah, yeah. And Toxteth was a place where many, many, many Irish people settled, you know. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, most of my friends, um, they're grandmothers or grandparents were Irish. Your own background in music, you know, where did it all start? Was it a musical family? Were were they always singing, you know, were there instruments in the house? My father used to play the guitar. Yeah. And, um, you know, we used to play around, um, I don't know what you call them really, but let's just say for argument's sake, clubs and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't a professional thing. Um, So... Where we started, well, in the area where I grew up, which was Toxter, there was an American base nearby called Burtonwood. Uh-huh. And all the Americans, the black Americans, when they got the weekends off, obviously the place they used to come was Toxter in Liverpool, because that's where all the black people were. Yeah. And with them, they used to bring the music. Um, and there was a lot of clubs in Toxter at the time. Clubs where only the community used to go, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, the black Americans, as I say, they used to bring the dancers, they used to bring the songs, the, 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 the records. And so we grew up on that type of music, you know, mm-hmm. music that you didn't hear mainstream on radio. So we were listening to all that. Yeah. And they became our role models. And um, basically, I just decided from a very young age that that is what I actually uh, wanted to do. Um, my brother, Eddie, who was older than me, he was in a group called The Chance mm-hmm. um, in Liverpool. And they'd made a professional career out of uh, being on stage, even though they didn't actually have um, national, you no know, real success. Yes. Record yes, success. Yes, yeah. um, but they sort of like gave us the sort of... the the confidence to say to ourselves, well, we can have a life doing this. Mm-hmm. And it's what we want to do. You know, we didn't think about records or anything like that. Yeah. We just thought that that's what we wanted to do. So Dave and I formed the group. And we started off by singing along with 
um, <clears throat> the records in our front room. Yeah. <laughs> learning yeah. how to harmonise yeah. things like that. And then uh, we, we, uh, Kenny joined the band, the guy called Kenny Davis, he joined the band. The reason we brought Kenny in is because Dave and I could never sing lead. We weren't experienced enough. Yeah. Kenny was used to singing lead in pubs and things. He was older than us. Mm-hmm. So we brought Kenny in and then Ray joined. And by this time now, we'd begun to be able to harmonise properly. Yeah. And we also started to work around the sort of the youth clubs and things in Liverpool. So we were building up a little rep for ourselves around Liverpool, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, then we were lucky enough, our, our management team at the time, a Liverpool-based uh, duo, um, got us on Opportunity Dock. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. Going on Opportunity Knocks enabled us to actually turn professional. Wow. Wow, yeah. Because when you win Opportunity Knocks, all of a sudden, you're known nationwide. Yes. And we could start working outside of Liverpool, you know. Yeah, all around the, All around the country. So, um, yeah. That was the early beginnings of the real thing. We were called Vocal Perfection then. Yes, that's right. Yes, you went through a couple of name changes, I think, but that, that, that's yeah, right. Yeah, we were called Vocal yeah. Perfection. By the time it got to Opportunity Knocks, we were called Vocal Perfection. And on the eve, well, just after we won Opportunity Knocks, I think it was, we changed our name to Real Thing. Is it true? There, there's there's somewhere out there about the real thing. Obviously, well, we'll mention it anyway. Coca Cola that, that that there was an influencer that someone had seen an advert and went, "That's what we're going to call yeah, the band." Well, Is that true? When we first won Opportunity Knocks, um, I think um, it's a long time ago. Mm. I think on the first performance we were called Vocal Perfection. Yeah. When we won it, and our manager by this time we'd signed with a new management team in London, mm-hmm. which was Tony Hall. Yes. And he was driving around Piccadilly, and basically he wasn't happy with the name Vocal Perfection, yes. because we weren't vocally perfect. We were very young and very raw at the time. Yeah. And he thought that people would pick up on that. Yeah. You know, and use it against us, as it were, you know, mm-hmm. snidey remarks, oh, supposed to be Vocal Perfection, what do you call that? Type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so he was driving around Piccadilly, to Piccadilly, and the big sign, big Coca Cola sign, came up, <laughs> and there it was. You know, um, he thought, "Yeah, there's a, that's a great name," and we've been real thing ever since. That's amazing. So it, was, it was from the Coca Cola. Yeah, that is amazing. You, you know, um, what did Mum and Dad think? Uh, you know, your parents at that stage, you know, just before you became, turned professional. You know, had you any other jobs at the time? Were you trying to supplement your, your earnings? Or Well, funny thing, we were on the dole, actually. Right. But yeah. funny thing, um, we were working, Dave and I were working in the same place, actually. as a place, a warehouse in Liverpool, yeah. near where we lived, because we, you know, Toxeth is right on the docks. Yeah, on the docks, that's right, yeah. You know, yeah. Near the docks. And we were working there. And basically, I always remember, we were always having to take these days off, you know, to go and do gigs and things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> in the end, I remember our boss said to us, he said, look, guys, you're off a little bit too often now. He said, so I'm going to have to sack you. He said, wow. I'm telling you that I'm going to sack you. He said, because if I don't sack you, 
you won't get your dough money. Yeah, yeah. Well. He said, so it's best if I sack you and, you know, basically yeah. you've decided what you want to do. Yeah. So go ahead and do it, you know. And that's when we actually turned professional. But yes, we were on the dole when we... Uh, when we actually cracked it, you know. What a story, isn't it? That's that's fascinating. And of course, the first single then. Okay, so you were in Huey Green, Opportunity Knocks. Um, and then there was something I think I read about going out to um, representing Britain, actually, you know, uh, uh, in Europe, um, along with Labrie Seffrey and Lindsay yeah, well, DePaul and we, so on. We, we didn't represent Britain. What it was, uh, with our, I think it was our second single, Plastic Man. Yes, yes. It almost hit. We did top of the pops with it and everything, but it almost hit the chart. Yeah. And um, we did a UNICEF concert in Holland. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, and it was huge because it was televised, you know, all over Holland. Well, all over the continent, really. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. televised in England. And, um, yeah, so um, we, uh, we, we we performed our, our second single, which is called Plastic Man. And we were the English representatives that were on the programme. <laughs> Chatting with Chris on FM 105, Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. You, you know, it said that in that original article in, in your local paper there, that it was six years of hard work to get them where you, 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 you know, for your first single then, and, and that made it well, the it number was, one. It yeah. was, because we yeah. weren't thinking of singles, we weren't thinking of records, we just wanted to be on stage mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sing. That's all we wanted to do, you know. Um, so... You know, it took us six years to learn our craft. Mm-hmm. You know, we, it we, took us six years from singing in a front room to actually getting ourselves into a position where we could sing and influence somebody like Tony Hawk. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. That's a big name in the business. I, I think I'd read somewhere else that Eddie had rubbed shoulders with the Beatles even at that stage, you know, when, when he, he, as you say, he rightly, he was older than you. Yeah, well, Eddie became, Eddie was a long, long time before us. Yeah. He was a lot older than me. Yeah. Um, and in their day, the Chance Day, um, yes, they did, um, they did, they were very close to the Beatles and they did work with the Beatles quite often, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, when, the real thing, this is before Eddie joined, mm-hmm. we went to America with David Essex. Oh, yeah, yeah. And as you might know, Tony Hall was very, very influential in the music business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And he was a very, very good friend of the Beatles. And Tony used to host parties in London. And they were the type of parties where the media, things like that, couldn't get to. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the bands, like the Beatles, things like that used to attend just for relaxation yeah and I always remember we were playing in the bottom line uh, in LA the Roxy in LA and um, Ringo Starr yeah came in to see the show and he was sat with Tony and he said Tony is there anything to do with the chance from Liverpool and Tony said actually <laughs> yes they are Ringo That's him. <laughs> um, Chris's brother Eddie yeah, 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 yeah. I always remember when we won the best new band of 76 you know the NME awards the yes, um, yes. Daily Mirror awards you yeah, wear then yeah. the Brit awards now but they were the, the Daily Mirror awards then. Mm-hmm. I remember Paul McCartney won best artist with Wings and mm-hmm. we won best new group the real thing yeah. and we were stood backstage and I remember it, um, t- Paul was absolutely over the moon to see Eddie 
Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. remember yeah. him? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And um, he says, oh, he says, good luck to you, lads. He says, um, just keep it going. And then he says, oh, we'll try. And Paul says, oh, it's easy. Just keep it going. Yeah. Like that, you know, oh, that's... Really down to a... Yeah, and do you know what? You, you sound the sort of guy who has still your feet on the ground, Chris, which is, you know, a lot of people yeah. I've talked to and, you know, went into spiralled out of control sometimes, as you know. You know, it's very easy yeah. to do uh, and aren't here with us today, well, we unfortunately. a great manager yeah, in that, Tony Hall, yeah. who um, certainly kept our feet on the ground and um, our upbringing as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I always find that you're coming from a really good upbringing, you do relish what you've got, what you've done. Look, a lot of artists have been far, far, far more successful than we have, but at least we can turn around and say we've been successful doing what we've done. And basically, we've still got people talking about our records now. Yeah. Which a lot of people who had more success, mm. you still don't get people 20 years, 30 years on talking about the records. That's exactly right. And you, you sort of look at the music business now and you wonder, you know, there, there's a lot of... You would never want to say that someone's, you know, not at the same par, but you, you wonder those songs that are right now, you know, are there, are there going to be You To Me or Everything in 40 years' time of the songs that we have now? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't yeah, know. I think there'll always, there'll always be classic songs. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But a classic song is not just a hit, not a hit song. You know, mm. it's more than a hit song. Mm. So, a lot of acts... I mean, I know, for instance, a lot of bands who have 10, 15, 20 hits. Yep. But I can't tell you the name of the record. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you. Ten years on, I can't tell you. Yeah. And we do a lot of um, festivals, rewind festivals and things like that. And there's a lot of acts on who you know have had a lot of success in the day and things. I can't remember the songs, but I bet you they can remember you to me or everything. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's or can't so get true. by without you, or can you feel the form? That's exactly they can right. Remember them. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. And, and those those songs had a resurgence as well, didn't they? I mean, when when they, they were all remixed and and probably constantly are still remixed by DJs all over the world. Let's be honest about it. You know, it's 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 it, it is fascinating. It, it was huge hits twice for us. All right, okay, and, yeah. And um, that's what makes them classics, really. Yeah, absolutely. Especially you to me. You know, I mean, it's obviously it's the biggest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Number one. When was that in 76 then that all started? You know, what about actual writing then, Chris? Was uh, Did that come naturally when you were putting together yeah, your own well, compositions? Eddie, Eddie was already writing songs. Ah, yeah, yeah. And he was quite prolific. Yeah. A prolific songwriter. He'd had records out which almost happened for them but didn't. Mm-hmm. He taught me how to write. Obviously, I got my influence from him. Yeah. So by the time the real thing came into a serious situation, we were both writing. Mm-hmm. songs mm-hmm. and because we had the type of manager that we had he his focus was always on original songs we very rarely ever in fact I, I think I can only think of once or twice one or two of our records that were covers oh okay we've always either written our own or had songs that were written for us specifically like for me yeah yeah, yeah. everything right Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, um, yes, uh, we've always written our own songs. The majority of our albums have always been penned by Eddie and I. 
Mm. And um, luckily enough, we were able to mix them with great songwriters like Ken Gold, who um, wrote You To Me Out Everything and Can't Get By Without You. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, those were supposed and to be. funny enough, you know, it, it goes two ways because Ken and us had a magic together. Mm-hmm. And that magic spilled over in Can You Feel the Force, which, although Ken didn't write that because we wrote that, mm-hmm. the magic was in the song because he produced it. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? That's fascinating. You know? You, you, your, your brother sadly passed away then. It'll probably be fourth anniversary soon, I would think, isn't that? Absolutely. Fourth yeah. anniversary in February. That was a big blow to you and your family. Yeah, we never ever thought we were going to carry on um, when he passed. Um, yeah. yeah. And it was only with a lot of thought. And, yeah, we, we just really thought about it. And we thought, well, Eddie would certainly want us to carry on, if we could. Yeah. And we found a way to work as a duo, and thank God, at the moment, it's really working really well, so... Yeah, cool. And but, I, you know, you can't replace the two members that have passed. You can't replace them. So we never, ever tried to replace them. Yeah. And the way we looked at it is, well, at least you've still got the original voice, the original two, and also, you've still got the original voice that sang on all the records. So yeah. That's why we haven't had to replace, if you know what I mean. We carry on as we yeah. okay. Yeah. So, and, and then, of course, um, you decided to get back out again. And then, what happens? Lockdown comes along. So, how have you found the last couple of years? How, how's that been for you, Chris? We'll be back after a quick break. Have you ever wondered what the band ACDC has to do with the missing town of Dublin, Wisconsin? Or who gets to decide what music plays at the end of the world? Or whether or not the largest unsolved art heist in history was actually a cover for a different crime? Maybe you haven't wondered about these things, but that's okay. On 31, we dive into strange, true, but often lesser-known stories and the interesting theories that surround them. From space to sports, lost media to internet lore, 31 has something for everyone. Find 31 on your favorite podcast platform and dive into the why behind the weird with me, Quinn Lovecraft. 31, the why behind the weird. Well, we found lockdown difficult because just before it started, we had um, our film come out, which was a docufilm Mm -hmm. about the group called Everything. And that was featured on BBC. And basically, it went into all the cinemas around the country. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we were doing a lot of questions and answers in the cinemas. So that all came to a halt. We had our best of album out that had just come out. Yeah. And we were doing a lot of TV at the time. Well, that came to a halt. Yeah, that's right. So we lost a lot of ground there. But what it did enable us to do was pen our first absolutely new album for 40 years brilliant brilliant so that enabled us it enabled me to write basically a new album yeah which is something that uh, we hadn't done how, how do you know you've been in the business a long time how do you start that chris you know what do you do you say right tomorrow let's get on with it. we're gonna crack out a few songs or is it something that you're already in the back of your mind and all those little notes in the, in the notebooks and so on you decided to bring it yeah. all to fruition is that how That's you do what it? it is yeah That's yeah yeah you have ideas yeah you sort of like you go back over every now and again you you, you have a spate where you put ideas down yeah and then you know 
they get shelved. You know, you just leave them. And then every now and again, you listen back, you add to them and things like that. And then they inspire you to write new stuff as well. And basically, before you know it, you've got 20 songs that you're working on. Yeah. And you pick the ones of your favourites that you want to finish, complete. And that's how you do it. Uh, yeah. Of course, that, that new album, uh, very aptly titled, is A Brand New Day. And that was released very recently there. Uh, I think it was last week on the 20th of January, uh, Chris. That's right, yes. Yeah. And we're very, very proud of it. You know, it's and, got and, some and really lovely, lovely tracks on it. Yeah, I, I, and we're going to listen now to uh, one of those tracks, Hang On, Never Let Go. Funny thing about this song is, it's a song, it's one of the songs, one of the only two songs on the album that Eddie and I wrote together. We actually, the first time we actually recorded this song was in America, mm-hmm. with two fantastic producers called M2 May and Lucas, and they used to record they used to produce Donny Flack not Donny Flack Donny Hathaway and Roberta yeah. Flack yeah yeah yeah. yeah but they got it all wrong um, they got the actual song they didn't bring out the song the way we wanted to bring it out so basically it was shelved so I decided to to do what they should have done mm. and um, we produced the song the way it should have been uh, produced with the real thing sound yeah. so that's why we're proud of this one and it's our first single along with children of the ghetto you're listening to chris scott on fm 105 down community radio and here it is hang on never let go with the real thing back with chris Amu after this chatting with chris on fm 105 down community radio your station your voice Chris, that's an absolute classic. So laid back and chilled out. Four minutes and 20 seconds of heaven, I would say. that That's an amazing song. Hang on, never let go. And you'd said just before we, we, we played that, it was like a double A-side single. So Children of the Ghetto has re-emerged again. Yes. Uh, and the reason why we've... Let me just say that Children of the Ghetto is probably our favourite song that we've ever written. Yeah. Certainly mine and Eddie's favourite song. Yeah, yeah. It's been covered by fantastic artists like Mary J. Blythe, mm-hmm. Philip Bailey from Earth, Wind & Fire, uh, Courtney Pine, uh, a jazz saxophonist from London, and countless, I can't tell you the amount of people who have covered the song, but if you ever get the chance, just Google Children of the Ghetto and you'll see how many people have yeah. covered it. Yeah. But what we've always resented is we've never been allowed to actually do it as a single because we've always been tied down by record companies. All right. right. Okay. This time we decided that we were going to do the song. You're listening to Chris Scott on FM 105 and Down we Community Radio. The first time that the real thing are going to be featured on the A side of Children of the Ghetto. Um, so it was a project that we've always wanted to do. Eddie and I always wanted to do it. And mm. we never thought when Eddie died and Ray died that we'd get the chance to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, because they were the lead singers on it and it was always written for a high vocalist. Yes, yes. And in all, in all fairness, I don't think anybody could ever perform it like Ray, the original mm. um, the Real Thing singer who did it on the 4 from 8 album. But 
we nevertheless we decided to do our version of it now. So it's the two thousand and one version of Children of the Ghetto. And it's live. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Chris Scott Show on FM 105 Down Community Radio and conversation tonight with Chris Amu from The Real Thing. And here is another track from their new album. Uh, it's titled Children of the Ghetto. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. Chris, superb. Are you lead vocal on that? Yes, I am, yes. Wow, that's superb. Of course, that's off a brand new day as well. Is there anything else sticks out? Is there another favourite song that you personally have on the album? There's a very interesting section section on the album called the Ghetto Quadrilogy. Uh-huh. Now, when we did our original Four From Eight album back in the day, there was a trilogy of songs which featured, which were all about the place in Liverpool, Toxic, mm-hmm. where we grew up. And the trilogy of songs was called Children of the Ghetto, Liverpool Late, and Stanhope Street. Mm-hmm. And where I've gone with this album is we thought we would actually do another section about the place in Liverpool where we grew up and about what young black people uh, go through when they're growing up. Mm-hmm. So we've done a quadrilogy, which is, it deals with from when you're very, very young, yes. problems that you face, yeah. right up until the time comes that you have to step out and find your way. Yeah. And the four songs on the album cover that period. And obviously they're called Children of the Ghetto, which is the update version. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Daddy Dear, which is about the experiences, the experiences of a young black kid when he first starts to encounter the fact that he's different because of the colour of his skin. Yeah, yeah. God Help the Child, which is about when he actually steps out onto that road and he comes to a crossroads in life and he has to decide which way he wants to go yeah. Yeah. to achieve his dream. Yeah. And it finishes off on um, why are we living on the front line, which is basically mm-hmm. um, about the invisible people who live in the inner city areas of Liverpool. Mm. So that's what that quadrilogy is all about. It's quite a serious part of the album. But there are also lovely ballads, lovely light ballads, nice ballads. Um, a particular favourite of mine is a, um, a song called um, A True Reflection, which is very similar to, in style, to Raining Through My Sunshine. Mm-hmm. which was another favourite song of mm-hmm. the real thing. So there's plenty on there for everybody, to be honest with you. On 105 FM and around the world online, this is FM 105. Another track from the new album from the real thing, A True Reflection. It's FM 105 Dime Community Radio. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. That's great. That's superb. Absolutely superb. Do you know, I'm just listening to you. You've never lost your accent. You, you, you're firmly rooted uh, to Liverpool, aren't you? I mean, have you? did you ever leave? You've been all around the world, of course, but I mean, have you ever lived anywhere else? Has that, has that, has that ever been in, in your psyche? No, we've never lived anywhere else. Um, 
Um, and funny enough, um, when we went to America the first time, I always remember when people heard us talk and they'd say, oh, keep talking. Yeah. Keep talking. We love that Liverpool <laughs> accent. The Beatles, the Beatles. Keep talking. Yeah. And funny enough, over here, people, a lot of people have always thought that we're American. Oh, honestly, honestly. No, yeah. well, I, I yeah. know. No, the more you keep talking, the more you just pick up that Liverpool accent. I mean, it's there. Good. Good. You know, Glad you know, Chris. That. If you're ever out of a job, uh, call centres will certainly employ you. Like, like we have here. You know, our accent, and I think it's Newcastle as well. Upon time, any of us will get a job in a call centre, and and in Scotland as yeah. well. We, we just have those accents that people love. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, yeah. before I let you go, new technology. You know, you have seen so many changes over the years. You know, initially it would have been well. I'm sure it was the eight tracks probably in the early days well no it was the two tracks in the early days oh was it <laughs> <laughs> listen we thought we were in heaven when the eight tracks came yeah. <laughs> well that's before my time I must say and then of course with vinyl singles and so on and so forth and I was just looking at one of your Facebook sites there recently and I think you thank people at Christmas for the 20.9 million million streams and 5.1 million listens yeah. it's fascinating isn't it now the way things have, have changed we would never have got this album out without new technology. Yeah, there you go. Because record companies don't really want to know you. Yeah. They really don't, you know. Yeah. Um, because it's not down to talent anymore. It's down to sellability. If they can think that they can sell you for the least amount of money as possible, well, then, you know. But for an, a, a, a band like ours, to, to, for them to promote us, and I completely understand this, you've got to spend a lot of money. Yeah, true. That's true. But with your own technology, the majority of the money is already spent because we've recorded our own album in our own house. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So, you know, it's you a know, different um, world. And um, they've got no say in it. Like, they can't turn around and say to us, oh, you can't release Children of the Ghetto. It's not commercial enough. Yeah. We can release what the hell we want. And that's true, like isn't it? it? Yeah. They like it. If they don't, they don't, you know. <laughs> that's fact, isn't it? Yeah, that's fact. But at least they get the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's amazing, well, yeah, amazing way to look at it. Um, the, the, the other thing is, you know, I'm going to change, I'm going to change from music here, I'm going to be a wee bit sneaky, and um, I, I remember reading old bits and pieces through old newspapers about you in the Afghan hound world, in the dog world. Is that still yeah. out there? Are you still involved in that? Yes, I still show my dogs, and... Um, Brilliant, yeah. Yes, and it, it's what I do um, as a form of relaxation. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my form of relaxation. I mean, you'd been over, you'd been over this side of the pond judging away, even way back. I see in the nineteen nineties in Dublin, uh, you were judging finals and things there as well. So, is that yes, still part of your life? You still do that? Still a big part of my life. Yes. Yeah. Oh. My dogs um, are as important to me as my singing. Wow. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. It just gives another side to you, doesn't it? You, you know, back whenever you're not with the dogs, back on the road then, how is 2022 shaping up? Shaping up fantastic, actually. Brilliant. Um, yeah, we've <laughs> got things keep improving the way yeah. they are, and, you know, we don't get any more lockdowns or anything like that. Yeah. It's going to yeah. um, end up to be a, quite a busy year for us. That's good. That's good. That's that's what everyone hopes for. Any any plans to come this side of the water? Have have you? T- I mean, over and, and throughout your career, have you been over here much in the singing capacity? In the early days, we came over to Belfast quite a lot. You know, All right, okay. um, we don't do a lot of stuff in Ireland, but we were meant to come to Belfast last year on the Rewind concert. Yeah, 
Um, so I presume we'll be coming to that will be put back in at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that'll be when we come to to Belfast. That'll be, you know, about. 15, 20,000 people there. So yeah, that that's good. Great. Yeah, well, we'll be looking forward to seeing you, Chris. And, you know, can I just thank you once again for taking the time out to speak to us, uh, to us here on the FM 105. Um, and Absolutely I, no problem. That, no that problem is superb. It's been an absolute delight to speak to you. And I'm just going to put it out there. Make sure you're picking up a brand new day and all those, you know, you don't just go down to the record shop now to buy it. It's all out there on all those platforms and there are too many to Absolutely. mention, right, Chris? I, I can't even keep up with it, to be honest with you. <laughs> You won't get it in the shop. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But you can get it online, which is how most people buy the stuff now anyway. Yeah, that's it. Listen, Chris, thank you so much. Thank you. That's no problem. I'll speak to you soon. Chatting with Chris on FM 105, Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. Well, a massive thank you to Chris and Moo there from The Real Thing for joining me on tonight's programme. A great guy and, of course, wish them all the best with their new album, A Brand New Day. Now available on all those usual platforms out there, folks. Do have a look at it. Next week, you can join me in conversation with a gentleman who is on the other side of the world. Yeah, in Canada, and he's talking about his new novel, Family of Killers. Memoirs of an Assassin, and that was released on January 13th last. Author Stephen Briggs, who was incidentally born in Portadown but lived most of his life in Guelph, Ontario, he's talking to me about his uh, life, a new novel uh, based around a story linked to some of her troubled past. Uh, so looking very much forward to hearing from Stephen next week. Leaving you tonight with another one from The Real Thing. I couldn't, sure, I couldn't leave it. A number two head in 1976. Yeah, 1976 and can't get by without you. Incidentally, if you love the soul music and all that funky stuff, then do tune in to our own Dave Smith. And Dave's on every Thursday night between 7 and 9. Brilliant programme, The Funk and Soul Show. And that repeats every Sunday between 9 and 11. Not to be missed. So until next week, stay safe and stay tuned to your local radio station. It's FM 105 down community radio. Good night, folks. Mm-hmm.